Welcome back to another episode of Win Championship Repeat Boston Sports Podcast. And on this week's episode, we're going to be looking at the Celtics in the draft, looking at the Celtics rumors leading up to free agency, looking at what my new off-season predictions look like, what I think the Celtics should do. And then we're going to talk about the Red Sox because the Red Sox have gone from fifth place to second place. They got a long road ahead of them if they ever want to catch the Yankees, but they're doing pretty good, so we'll talk about that. So let's get started. Uh, Last week was the NBA draft, and what we saw was the 53rd pick. And that was all the Celtics had because they traded the other pick for Derek White. Now, the Celtics used Derek White in a lot of different ways this playoffs, and I do think he's helped in so many different ways. That pick really probably wasn't going to do too much for us anyways. So I think when it comes to the uh, draft, we really didn't need, um, we really didn't need that pick at all. And it was just a pick that got us something that maybe could have helped a little bit better. So we ended up with the 53rd pick, which was J.D. Davidson from Alabama, point guard. Um, J.D. Davidson, not the greatest player. Got, you know, raw talent. Maybe someone who could be something at some point. Um, I don't really know exactly what we'll get out of him. You know, he he was uh, a decent player. Um, I think there's, uh, you know... A lot that we can say. Apparently, in high school as a senior, he averaged 32 points and 10.9 rebounds. Um, He posted a 29.14 rebound, 11 assists, 11 steal, quadruple double. um, And then, uh, obviously, rose to um, a little bit of prominence at Alabama, which, um, you know, that was uh, not not too bad. you know, he is uh, another point guard in the mix, which I think we could always use another point guard alongside Peyton Pritchard. And I think a lot of our point guards aren't really actually point guards, but they kind of just play uh, the point guard. You know, between Derek White and Marcus Smart and Pritchard, I think those guys have kind of evolved as point guards, even though they're not in sort of the true sense. Uh, but Davidson comes in, he's probably going to be either. One of the end of the bench guys, because we got a bunch of open spots, or he's going to be a two-way contract. My guess is he'll play Summer League. If he works out, he'll be maybe the 14th or 15th guy on the roster. And, you know, I think it could be a good cheap option for us, uh, especially seeing as our team doesn't have a lot of money to spend. Um, I mean, we did uh, lower get lower than the luxury tax, which is great, but I don't know what our uh, future holds in terms of contracts and the whole situation and if we're keeping Horford which it seems like that's our plan then having a cheaper contract is always good they also added Tavion Williams uh, who was an undrafted guy Uh, he is joining the Celtics in summer league and potentially could be a two-way contract if he works out so um, that was our draft Um, obviously there were a lot of moves on draft night there were rumors that the Celtics had interest in Terrell Eason, who ended up going to Houston at pick 17. The Celtics might have tried to slip in if he slipped a little bit lower. If he was in the low 20s or 
high 20s or anywhere around that number. I think the Celtics might have considered getting involved, but they don't have the first round pick this year, and so they weren't going to really do too much, especially. Uh, and he was slated in the teens, anywhere from 12 to, I don't know, 19. So uh, I, it was very hard to see me get them or see uh, Terrell Eason go to the Celtics because of just what it would cost. But, uh, you know, that was uh, that. So, draft night is over. No trades, no uh, moves, just one pick, and we move on. So, free agency is coming up and moves all around. So, on draft night, around draft night, we got a little bit of information on the Brooklyn Nets situation, which is up and down. So, Brooklyn has a very interesting situation taking place between their two best players. So for starters, Kyrie Irving just doesn't want to be there. He is looking for a way out. And the problem with Kyrie Irving is a few things. Number one, he's not always healthy. Number two, the vaccination thing kind of screwed him a little bit because he wouldn't get vaccinated. And three, and more importantly, the teams that have a need for Kyrie or would want Kyrie don't have cap space to sign him. And nobody who has cap space to sign him is going to go for it because Orlando has no use for him. He's not going to Detroit. He's not going to Indiana. He's not going to Portland because they got Damian Lillard. The teams that could use him, which are probably the Lakers, the Clippers, maybe Miami, maybe Dallas, they don't have the cap space to make it work. So if you're Brooklyn, you could do a sign-and-trade for Kyrie, uh, and that's potentially what they'd have to do in the case with the Clippers or the Lakers or whoever. Um, but... You know, if he decides to leave in free agency, there's not a lot of options for a very disgruntled point guard who's probably going to ask for a lot of money. If Kyrie wanted like 12 million, there would be a lot of teams that would probably be signing up. But if he's going to want like 34 million and he's going to want a multi-year deal, I don't know if people are going to want to pay that unless you're a team that's at the top, right? If you're a team like the Lakers who have interest, could it take place? Yes. Could Kyrie get traded for Russell Westbrook? 100%. Would Brooklyn do that? Probably not, but it's a possibility, and it might have to be a three-team deal where maybe someone like a Malcolm Brogdon and a Buddy Heald go to Brooklyn, and maybe Russell Westbrook and a first-round pick or two go to the Pacers, and maybe Kyrie goes to the Lakers. I don't know. But Kyrie doesn't want to be in Brooklyn anymore, which is causing issues with Durant, because now Durant's situation, according to most sources, is he's monitoring Kyrie's situation in his interested potentially if things go south moving on from Brooklyn so the Brooklyn Nets basically had Garnett Pierce a bunch of great players and didn't win a championship gave up all these draft picks then Brooklyn has the 2.0 trading for James Harden and adding in Durant and Kyrie and Harden cost them a lot of draft picks and he's gone and the Philly picks most likely are going to be at the bottom of the first round and then you have Kyrie, who doesn't want to be there, and if Durant doesn't want to be there, your three guys are gone, and you'll have Ben Simmons, but what's that? So Joe Harris, Seth Curry, and Ben Simmons isn't going to win you a championship. So this could be another explosion in Brooklyn. And Kevin Durant has been linked to the Celtics because, number one, in 2016 he chose Golden State, but the Celtics were his second option. And also, the Celtics just made it to the finals, and Durant... I'm sure, as with others in the NBA, are potentially interested in joining the Celtics because they feel like they could be the X factor that gets them that ring, right? And let's just say they win a championship 
and Golden State makes it again, and Boston beats Golden State with Durant, well, Durant can say, hey, look, I won with you guys, but I also beat you. So is Kevin Durant going to come to Boston? Probably not. Is he going to go somewhere else? Maybe. There were tweets and Instagram pictures of Durant shopped in, photoshopped into a um, Portland Trailblazers uniform, and Nurkic put something up about that or retweeted that or whatever. Uh, I don't know if that'll happen. But there is potentially a possibility that Kevin Durant does leave. If the Celtics do go after Durant, it's probably going to cost you Jalen Brown, which I don't think the Celtics want to do anyway. So the Durant ship has sailed, and I don't think there's any chance of Kevin Durant joining Boston for whatever reason. It's just not going to happen. I don't see it, and it's just far likely, more likely he's going to go somewhere else that potentially could make a better situation happen. And Portland could be a great team because if they can get enough cap space, they can take him on. Um, and there are other teams out there that could have interest. Miami could have interest. Um, you know, there are a whole host of teams that could really get involved. And, you know, I think if Kevin Durant really said, hey, I want to come to Boston, then I think Boston has the leverage to be like, we're not giving you Tatum, we're not giving you Brown, we'll give you like an Al Horford, Marcus Smart-led deal with some draft picks. And then that could probably get it done. But I don't know if Boston would do that anyways. I think they'd uh, probably pass just because uh, their team was so good. They don't want to really ruin that chemistry at all. So Durant, that's probably not going to happen. Uh, it doesn't seem like that's at all a realistic possibility. Um, unless like it's like, as I said before, an Al Horford deal and you don't get rid of Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. If you can get in Kevin Durant without getting rid of Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, I'd be on board more so than having to get rid of uh, Jalen Brown. Um, but I don't really know uh, exactly what is going to take place at this point because I'm kind of uh, unsure on that one. Switching gears to another player who could be potentially an option. This is going to be the Bradley Beal Circle Rumors 2.0. Last offseason, there were so many rumors of Bradley Beal going from Washington to Boston. And now that Bradley Beal has opted out and is um, going to be a free agent, most people assume he's going to just re-sign with like, the Supermax with Washington. But if he doesn't leave, or I should say if he does leave, then obviously the betting odds would probably have Boston on top because A... They just made it to the finals and B, Tatum's friends with Bradley Beal because they are both from uh, St. Louis. And so there's a connection there and it's a potential possibility. I'd say it's a lot more of a likely possibility than having Durant come to Boston because I do think if Bradley Beal's hands um, or if Bradley Beal ties the hands of Washington, it's a lot easier for them to be like, okay, you know, we're going to make a deal happen. And it would probably be an Al Horford-led deal with other pieces. Might not be Marcus Smart. It might be Al Horford, Peyton Pritchard, Aaron Nesmith, and three first-round picks, and maybe that's enough to get the ball rolling. Maybe it is, you know, a Marcus Smart-Al Horford deal. Maybe it's Derek White and Al Horford. Maybe it's, you know, a combination of other stuff. I don't know. But... I think this one's a little bit more likely just because of the connection between Tatum and Bradley Beal, and more importantly, the connection um, between uh, this before. And again, if Bradley Beal can be a great shooter, we do need shooting, and that could be exactly what they do. 
I don't know if it will happen, but it's more likely than Kevin Durant, in my opinion. And so that is another situation uh, that is um, potentially taking place. Boston has the fifth best odds to acquire Bradley Beal this offseason on bookies.com, which is... Um, I was reading a Boston.com article. Fox Bet gives the Celtics similar odds to land Beal at plus 1,100. The Celtics are at plus 1,000. Wizards are in first. Miami, Atlanta, the Lakers, and the Celtics, which I don't know why the Lakers are on this list because I feel like Boston has more of a trade package to offer because I don't think Washington wants Russell Westbrook. Unless you somehow can trade Anthony Davis to the Wizards, then I don't think Beal is going to even consider that. I think he wants to play in Boston because of their success and if you're Bradley Beal playing with your best friend would be great but also the fact is if they can win a championship you're that piece you can be the piece that gets them above that hurdle right because let's say the Celtics missed out on shooting because Steph Curry is a great three-point shooter they need someone who's better what if Bradley Beal comes in and does that for you and you're like this is my x factor then that could really be a good thing and maybe Bradley Beal feels like he could be that extra piece that the Celtics need in order to get above the hurdle. So, again, it's probably not likely, but it would have to include Al Horford and someone like Marcus Smart or Derek White in order to make this happen. And it would be hard, but not as hard as Kevin Durant, um, just because he's not making as much as Durant, but also, um, you know, I think... Uh, just in general, it would be, uh, you know, a decent move for the Celtics, but I just don't know where uh, where uh, it would go from here. So I think it's an interesting situation, but um, who knows? Um, so we'll see. There was rumors around draft night about a trade that didn't end up happening, um, but they threw it out there. Uh, which was Evan Fournier to the Celtics. So Evan Fournier makes $17.1 He makes $18 million on July 1st. So the off-season draft trade that was thrown out there was the Knicks trading back Evan Fournier to the Celtics in that trade exception, which is $17.1 uh, Basically getting rid of enough cap space to sign Jalen Brunson, who they want to sign. They ended up getting rid of Kemba Walker. But they did not get rid of Evan Fournier. Now, I don't know if you can actually trade someone back into a trade exception that was created by them leaving. I don't know if that's a thing. But I will say this. If the Celtics could have gotten the 11th pick taking on Evan Fournier, I would have been 100% on board with that because he is a good veteran. He knows this system and could be a great shooter for this team. But he is a little bit overpaid. But getting the 11th pick would have helped us out a lot because we could have done so many different things with that. So if that was at all a possibility then I would have been okay bringing back Fournier, but at the end of the day, I just don't know if that will happen. And, I mean, it's probably not going to now, but it was a weird sort of um, thing that came out, articles came out about it. It was very odd um, in general, but, you know, I think uh, there is the potential for that trade exception to get used in other ways, and this Evan Fournier one was... Uh, a little bit uh, weird to me because I don't know if you could actually do that because it was him who created this in the first place. So I don't know about that. I just saw that that looked kind of um, interesting. I also saw that the Celtics had interest in John Collins, but it was very little um, interest because nothing really came of it on draft night. 
they were looking at potential John Collins uh, trade with Atlanta, but nothing really came together, and the two sides were kind of farther apart on it than um, than uh, they wanted to be um, on that one. So uh, nothing with John Collins, nothing, nothing with Evan Fournier, but I want to talk about something else, um, which is the New York Knicks potentially and Cam Reddish and some other stuff. Uh, so Cam Reddish has basically fallen out of favor after being traded from Atlanta to New York. But the Celtics could get in on the Cam Reddish situation or other players' situation. Um, and it could be at um, a cheap cost. So if the New York Knicks are looking to move players, we have trade exceptions that can fit Cam Reddish into one of them. And if the Celtics want to take a flyer on someone who's out of favor in New York, potentially trading for Cam Reddish and only trading away a second-round pick or two could be an actually great situation because I think for Boston, they could use a wing off the bench, and Cam Reddish will definitely get more minutes than what we have here already. So if New York's looking to shed some salary, this could be something the Celtics do. Like, a lot of people think the Celtics could make, like, a big splash, but... They could just use some of these trade exceptions, take on good role players, and get guys in who don't fit the teams they're on. And if somebody needs open cap space, we could use it. We got $17.1 million. We could use some of that trade exception on a big name that just is a big contract that nobody wants. We could also use a number of our smaller trade exceptions and get guys like Cam Reddish who might need to get traded if they want to bring Jalen Brunson to New York. So we could just be sort of that side trade factor that teams are like, okay, well, they got a few trade exceptions. This guy doesn't really fit our team. And I mean, the Celtics, in theory, you know, could potentially take on more. Like, we could use this $17 million trade exception, take on Cam Reddish and Netherlands Noel, and maybe New York gives us a future first-round pick. They got three first-round picks for the 11th pick in this year's draft. Maybe... They have a Washington first. They have a Milwaukee first. Maybe the Celtics take one of those firsts off of New York just so they can dump over $10 million in salary. Because Nerlens Noel makes $9 million. Cam Reddish, I think, makes like five point nine. So, you know, we could, in theory, have like an extra $14 million coming our way, slide it into that Fournier trade exception. And maybe they give us a first-round pick for doing business. Maybe we trade, you know a 2023 pick swap where we get the better first round pick maybe we trade for one of those first round picks they got from OKC so the Celtics could use their trade exception to take on players to get assets right Oklahoma City has been king at taking on unwanted contracts for draft picks they did it with Kemba they did it with Al Horford in Philly uh they've done it before so we could do the exact same thing and say look if you guys don't want these players, we're not going to say no. We're going to take them, and we'll get something out of it that we can use. And maybe Netherlands Noel is the backup center we need, because Daniel Tice hasn't worked. Maybe Cam Reddish is the wing off the bench that we need. And then, if we bring in those two guys, that means we can get rid of Tice and not bring salary back. We can get rid of Nesmith and not bring salary back and make something happen uh, in that regard. Now, the final player I want to look at before we switch gears to the Red Sox, is uh, DeJounte Murray. So there are rumors of DeJounte Murray potentially being on the market. And there were exploratory 
John Collins in Atlanta, DeJounte Murray, San Antonio Spurs trade rumors around draft night. And nothing's really come of it yet. But there is uh, a few articles that came out saying that the baseline for the San Antonio Spurs for DeJounte Murray is three first-round picks. Now, I don't know if that is three good first-round picks. I don't know if that's three lottery first-round picks. I don't know if that's a team that has three potentially top 10 picks if it's the Celtics who might have three picks in the 20s and to me I don't know what that entails but all we have is three first round picks and I also don't know if they want three first round picks alongside a player I don't know if there's a good role player that could swap out for a pick so you could do two first round picks and a John Collins in uh, Atlanta maybe that suffices what they're looking for or maybe they just want three first round picks and some other players that's a big question mark to me. If they say we want three first round picks and it's a Drew Holiday type deal, which is what they kind of hinted at, they ended up, I think, trading Eric Bledsoe and some other stuff to um, New Orleans in order to make this work. If it's just a Drew Holiday type deal, then sign me up because it was basically just a bunch of low end of the first round, first round picks and a role player. And you could do Peyton Pritchard, Aaron Nesmith, Daniel Tice, and three first-round picks, and then that would be suffice to what a Drew Holiday deal would be, and the three players are added in because it matches salaries. But if they want something a little bit better, we could trade someone like a Marcus Smart, or we could trade someone like uh, Derek White. I don't know why they'd want Derek White back, but if they did, uh, we could, in theory, trade for somebody... Uh, or trade somebody like Al Horford or Robert Williams if we need to to get uh, DeJounte Murray. I don't know if that'll happen. But if it's a Drew Holiday type deal, then we should be fine with three first round picks and Daniel Tice, Pritchard, Nesmith, maybe some seconds, and that could get it done. I did, I think I saw this on um, Reddit. Uh, I was looking at some Celtics stuff and someone had commented something about why they would want to trade with us or why we wouldn't just trade for him instead of Derek White or whatever. And it was kind of making me think, like, if DeJounte Murray was available before, why didn't we just go for him instead of Derek White? Well, maybe he wasn't available at the deadline, and now he seemingly is. Or maybe the package was just too high and Brad Stevens didn't want to get involved. Maybe San Antonio threw out their best offer and we said, damn, that's not enough. Maybe it's not what we're looking for. And so there is potential for a deal here. If Atlanta is interested and Boston's interested and San Antonio, could we see Marcus Smart get traded to Atlanta? John Collins and draft picks get traded to San Antonio and DeJounte Murray comes to the Celtics. I mean, one of the reasons we got Derek White, besides his defense and what he does for this team and his leadership and everything, is the fact that he's a very similar player to Marcus Smart, which left the door open, at least in my mind, for a Marcus Smart trade. He was defensive player of the year. His value is as high as it's going to be for a while. And if he can keep riding on defensive player of the year and keep doing that and being all defensive first team, again, he's going to have a lot of value, but he could drop off next year. We don't know. So maybe the Celtics brought in Derek White because they knew that at some point, Marcus Smart could get traded for something that helps our team better. We need a point guard, a true point guard, and Marcus Smart's not a true point guard, neither is Derek White, 
And I think if we can bring in someone who can fill that, which DeZonte Murray could fill that, that's great because look at our lineup. We have DeJounte Murray, who would be like 25, Tatum, who's 24, Brown, who's 25, Robert Williams, who's like 22, 23. Right then and there is our young core. Grant Williams is 22, 23. If he's potentially the future at the power forward, that's a pretty good lineup. Or we go out there and get another player and make things happen. What if the Celtics trade DeJounte Murray and or trade for DeJounte Murray with a bunch of draft picks and get those, you know, Nesmith, Pritchard, Daniel Tice deal. Let's just say that's our deal. And let's say we go to Atlanta and we get John Collins for Marcus Smart. How would you feel about Robert Williams, John Collins, Tatum Brown, and DeJounte Murray as a starting five? All of those guys would be under 26 years old. That could be something, right? You fill your team with great veterans and you got that starting lineup. Is that a championship team? It probably could be. And I think the idea that Marcus Smart's off limits is probably not true. And you shouldn't believe that because we brought in Derek White. And I think if the right deal comes, the right deal comes. So what I want to finish with is my ideal situation for the Celtics right now. This is my ideal Celtics offseason post-draft with all of these rumors involved. So first thing the Celtics do is trade for Cam Reddish and Nerlens Noel. Basically, this is using the $17 million trade exception and basically taking on two guys that the Knicks want to get rid of to open up cap space for somebody like a, uh, Jalen Brunson. I don't think Fournier is getting traded. It just doesn't seem likely. I don't know if they're going to want to get rid of somebody like a Julius Randle. So they're going to get rid of Netherlands Noel. They're going to get rid of Cam Reddish. And we're going to take those guys on. Now, it could just be us taking on two contracts and we trade away a second round pick. It could be them trading us a future pick swap. Uh, I decided that the Celtics are going to get a 2023 first-round pick swap, favorable pick swap, with New York, hoping that this is another top lottery pick like this year. But uh, this is more of a salary dump for the Knicks, and I could see the Knicks doing that. Celtics basically trade away a second-round pick and then the lesser of uh, first-round picks next year. I like that a lot. So that is what the Celtics do. Then the Celtics trade for DeJounte Murray. Daniel Tice, Nesmith, Pritchard, and three first-round picks get traded away. Uh, Josh Primo is someone who could be the starting point guard for uh, the Spurs. I think the Spurs could use Daniel Tice in a lot of different ways, and Pritchard could be a good backup. So I like that. Um, so we get in we get in DeJounte Murray, and uh, he can be our starting, our starting point guard. Then we trade... John Collins for Marcus Smart because I think Atlanta might want to use Hunter a lot more. They also added in A.J. Griffin, um, so they have wings. I think bringing in John Collins, you know, it's a good move. Bogdanovich can play the small forward if they need him to, uh, and then you have um, Hunter at the power forward. Then, uh, you know, you have A.J. Griffin off the bench, so um, I think that John Collins would be a great power forward for Boston, and he could help uh, on the offensive side, on the defensive side, scoring, what have you. He brings too much to the table. I think Marcus Smart, as I said before, is a little expendable with Derek White there, and I think um, that's as good of a move as I can get for that. Then the Celtics are going to make a trade with the Kings, trading 
for two second round picks for Justin Holiday. So we'd basically be taking on and adding in Justin Holiday into one of our trade exceptions. Um, and then two second round picks go out there. Um, nothing really to say on that regard. Then the Celtics are going to sign to a minimum deal Javon Carter uh, as a backup. Or I should say third string point guard. We do have Derek White who will probably be the backup point guard. But between J.D. Davidson and Javon Carter, those are just other guys on the roster. So we would basically be with... DeJounte Murray, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, John Collins, Robert Williams, and our bench unit would be uh, Derek White, uh, Justin Holiday, Cam Reddish, Grant Williams, Al Horford, and then we would have Nerlens Noel, um, Javon Carter, Nick Stauskas, Malik Fitz, and J.D. Davidson on a two-way contract, and then they would have other summer league guy, Tivion Williams, as another two-way contract, and then maybe they sign someone else, maybe they just leave that spot open. Um, maybe they trade away Stauskas um, and Fitz. I don't know if they will, but they could. Um, but that's what I think uh, should happen. Obviously, uh, Jajante Murray alongside Tatum Brown, John Collins, you know, Robert Williams. That's a great starting lineup, and it's a young starting lineup, and I think that's a good situation. So we'll see what happens uh, with Boston. Obviously, if more trade news and more free agency stuff comes, we'll talk about that later. I want to finish with the Boston Red Sox, who are 8-2 in their last 10 games with a 6-game win streak, and they are officially in second place, a half game above Toronto and game and a half above Tampa Bay. This was a team at one point that was in fifth place at the start of the season. Then they hovered around fourth place for a while, and then they made their way to second place. Now, they are 11 games back of the Yankees because the Yankees are just amazing. Matt Carpenter has been great. Aaron Judge has been great, and their pitching um, has been uh, very good for the Yankees, but the Red Sox are slowly and surely creeping back into the mix here, and they've done pretty good. They, so far, have swept the Tigers in their recent. They are two wins against the Guardians, playing their third today. Cardinals, 2-1 and one, um, in that series. They were 2-1 and one against Oakland. They were 2-1 and one against Seattle. They were 3-1 uh, and one against the Angels. Swept Oakland prior series. Um, they were 1-1 one and one against the Reds um, before that. So they have been very good. Um, they've had some great success from some of their pitchers. Bogarts is averaging 3-3-3 uh, three, 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 uh, batting average. Devers has 17 home runs. Trevor Story has 48 RBIs. Um, he also has 11 home runs, which is pretty good. Devers, 17 for, for uh, 44 RBIs. Um, I do like what Trevor Story is bringing to this team. Christian Arroyo had three RBIs uh, against the Guardians. Um, and Verdugo had a three-run home run in the game most recent. Um, they won 4-2, and then the Arroyo 3-RBI game was 6-3 victory. So they're looking pretty good. Um, they have technically um, the second-best record in the American League East, and they hold the top wildcard spot because they have a 41-31 record compared to the Guardians, who have a 36-31 record, and Texas, who has a 34-36 record. So they are... Sitting there with that top spot in the wild card. Actually, 
the Red Sox, Toronto, and Tampa Bay are 1, 2, and 3 in the wild card. So right now, the American League East could have three teams in the playoffs. It is only June, but still. So as the Red Sox go, we need the Yankees to start losing games because if we keep going and winning and they keep winning, there's nothing that's going to happen. So we need some victories, and the Yankees need some losses. Um, for the Red Sox, uh, looking at what's to come, potentially looking at the schedule for them, the Guardians are obviously their uh, next target. They got one against them. Then they go to Toronto in an all-important three-game series. Then they go to Chicago for a three-game series. And then they play at home against Tampa Bay for three, New York for three, go to Tampa Bay for three, and then go to New York um, for three. Actually, they play Tampa Bay three at home, and then they play New York three at home, or four at home. Then they play four on the road against Tampa Bay, and then three on the road against New York, leading to what is probably, um, that's July 17th, which is probably around the uh, All-Star game break. So um, we'll see what happens with the Red Sox. They're looking very good, just we need the Yankees to lose some games, and then it uh, could be a uh, better situation. But we're starting off much better. Uh, the thing that does suck is we started kind of rough, and we lost a lot of games against Tampa Bay and Toronto, and we need victories against American League East teams when it comes to the wild card so we can hold the edge, which I don't know if we'll get there. But we need some victories against those teams, and we need to beat the Yankees because we got to make up some ground. So we'll see what happens with the Red Sox for sure.